Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome to the 11th episode of the Meet the Mancunian podcast, Social Impact Stories from Manchester. This is Season 4. I'm Deepa Thomas-Sutcliffe, your friendly host. On the streets and nooks of Manchester, my inspiring Mancunian guests tackle their causes with grit and passion. They are leaders, worker bees and community hosts and they share their stories to inspire you all through the season. Relax, grab a brew and listen in to the Meet the Mancunian podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify or any of your favourite podcasting platforms. You can also check out all the episodes and transcripts on my new website, www.meetthemancunian.co.uk. Passionate about becoming disability confident? We hear from Alex Winstanley, founder, Happy Smiles Training in this episode. I'm delighted to introduce my guest, Alex Winstanley, founder, Happy Smiles Training. Thank you, Alex, for joining me today. Really looking forward to hearing all about the good work you're doing for the, for the disabled. Yeah, no problem. No, thanks. Thanks, Deepa. And thank you for having me as well. I really appreciate it. So first, tell us about how you found your passion for supporting the disabled. You know, where did it all, where did it all start? So I really fell into it um, without meaning to. So uh, I was 19, I think. I was a trainee teacher and I always wanted to be a teacher. Uh, and I was a secondary school PE teacher. And uh, I, I started to be a, a personal assistant for a disabled young man um, who's a wheelchair user, he has cerebral palsy, and absolutely fell into doing that and just loved it from the first second. I was like, why is everyone not doing this? This isn't even a job. It was just going, it's like going out with friends who was a similar age. So um, yeah, so that's how I met Hayden. Uh, and Hayden then went on to, you know, uh, nearly 10 years later, essentially become the inspiration behind Happy Smiles Training. Wow. That, that is lovely and I hope you're still very much in touch with Hayden sounds sounds like a great bond yeah yeah unfortunately no I'm only joking um I'm in touch with Hayden <laughs> in touch with Hayden every single day um he's basically a part of my family but um you know he'd been to, he came to my wedding and everything like you know um he's a very he's a really close um friend and member of my family and um now really and we're very very close yeah and we we set up happy smiles we've we've grown a lot since then and um we work on it together pretty much every day oh wonderful that's that's great to know he's part of the organization as well so that brings us very well to happy smiles training how did you get how did you get to start that and you know what is what does it do well happy smiles training is a disabled persons led organization uh, we're a social enterprise that 
empowers disabled people to create positive change and and we do that by delivering training led by lived experience uh, all led by disabled people to schools community groups and businesses uh, it started we're based in Wigan but then it started we started delivering around Wigan Greater Manchester the Northwest and, and have now delivered some training nationally um, and we've just this year been um, listed on the disability power 100 list by the Shaw Trust, which is a list of the most influential disabled people and organisations in the UK. So uh, it's pretty pretty epic achievement to be on the same list as some incredible people. Um, and yeah, very, very, it's really, really exciting. Um, so yeah, really proud of that. We've delivered training to just over 10,000 people now, to children, young people, adults, across lots of different topics. Uh, but really importantly, we're also passionate about creating a, an employment pathway for disabled people as well. This is really amazing. And congratulations on that achievement of being on the, did you say disabled power list, is it? Disability power 100, yeah. Disability power 100. That sounds that sounds really fabulous. And how long has your organisation been in existence? So we set up in September 2019. Uh, I just left my teaching job a few months earlier and people told me that I shouldn't have done it, but I knew that I needed to do it to make that leap and uh, I actually got married that summer too so it was a pretty busy year but then as we all know uh, COVID hit six months later and it might not have been the best time to leave my job but however we battled through it uh, we did lots of different community work delivering essential items and food um, with disabled people um, to lots of members in the community and we sent out uh, rainbow badges to over 750 NHS workers, things like that that we were doing um, to help our communities. Um, but we continued to grow even despite the impact of COVID, um, which was a really big challenge. Um, disabled people were, you know, probably forgotten about quite a lot, even more than usual in that time. But people actually started to empathise that being locked away and isolated from uh, society isn't a nice thing. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of disabled people face every day and we use that term disabled people because we believe like the social model of disability that disabled people are actually disabled by society um, not because of their impairments or their physical visual um, sensory impairments whatever it might be um, but it's it's actually by society because society isn't set up um, to support and include disabled people and celebrate disabled people and I think we saw that during COVID quite significantly. That that is really interesting, and the fact that you know because people were all locked down, they could resonate finally with what, like we said, disabled people face every day. So you've talked mm-hmm. about one challenge, which is you know society itself and how it's how it's perceived. What are the other challenges you've had to face, and um, you know besides the pandemic, which was I guess a mammoth challenge for everyone, and especially for a new business, mm. I'm sure it must have been difficult. Yep. Are there any other challenges that you've been able to surpass, and you can share uh, with listeners? Oh, just challenges every day, deeper in terms of uh, oh, um, yeah, where do I start? Is a great question, but just balancing everything. I think just for me personally, trying to balance when you're so passionate about something and every waking moment you wake up in the middle of the night and you've got ideas you wake up in the morning you're like right let's go this is an idea or this is what needs to happen and then trying to find people that share those passions which I'm really lucky I've been able to find lots of incredible people um speaking in like in the Manchester area like the first one that comes to mind is Ben Andrews 
So Ben is Ben's an incredible person and, and good friend of mine. And you meet people like Ben and you've energized and um, they're doing brilliant work. And they're on the same level as you. And um, it, that's something that I love doing is meeting people, speaking to people like yourself. I get a real buzz from that connection. We're all trying to do good things. But the challenge is trying to really step away from that and say nighttime like now and trying to have, have family and all those things. That's, a, that's a, my biggest challenge. Um, really trying to separate myself from that passion at times you just it's it's almost impossible to do because I, I believe in what what we do so strongly and, and, and the work that I, I do so yeah um, it's like during COVID um, you know I wanted to keep trying to impact the community and so I started writing children's books I never thought I would do that ever um, and and my first book was about my grandma who had dementia so I knew I wanted to write a children's book to explain dementia because it just isn't spoken about and neither is disability, difference, you know, all these things, diversity, we just don't speak about it enough. So it's almost like society is too scared to speak about these things. So I wanted children and young people to speak about these things with their families. And and that book took off way more than expected. Um, And uh, it led to a whole series called the My Has series. And uh, it books followed on from that and uh, the books on d- depression cancer Tourette's and cerebral palsy and they're all inspired by real people with real stories and i'm really passionate about uh, people having their voices heard and that book is those books that series has just been taken on by tiny tree uh, who are a children's book publisher and the books have just arrived today they're in the packaging in the room next to me so i'm very very excited to open that box and see them um but yeah the book's um I, I just a, another part of i suppose what i do now and um i'm working with different charities and organizations on writing books at, at the same time as as the my series um, that i work on um i've just finished a book on women's football and um, with emerson boyce for example which is really exciting um and we also at happy smiles we also do a lot of book readings with those books um, in schools and, and community groups so it all links but trying to contain all that and trying to balance all that is a challenge that's true there's only 24 hours in a day and it sounds like you're doing a lot <laughs> now um, what impact would you made would you say you've made so far it sounds like you've done a lot and you've been recognized but and including you know like you said stepping in during the pandemic and giving a kind of lifeline to disabled people but what are the things you can talk about? Yeah, so I mean, obviously really proud of what we've been able to achieve so far. As I said, delivering training to over 10,000 people from absolutely nothing. I think the biggest thing deeper is that when I left my teaching job, I had no clue what I was doing. I would never run a business. I didn't know what anything about. I didn't know what a CIC was, a community interest company or a charity. I knew what a charity was, or I thought I did. Um, you know, but I didn't actually know anything. And uh, I just knew that, it needed to change and disabled people needed to lead that change. Uh, and I'm really proud that from absolutely nothing with no experience, no contacts, no nothing, um, we've been able to build a sustainable business and grow that business uh, as a social business um, that creates positive change. Well, you know, we've, we've upskilled 15 local disabled young adults who've delivered our work and are growing our team all the time. So um like i said before we delivered training to over ten thousand people that's that's massive um in my opinion um and i'm really really proud of that but i'm really proud as well that 
you know, we don't charge disabled people to deliver our work. There's no charge to them at all. And we've created a, a pathway to employment. We've employed two disabled people now, um, which again is something that I'm extremely, extremely proud of. And even though people try and say like, oh, maybe you should do this or do that and take a more commercial approach, even though it might be easier to do that sometimes, um, I'm very passionate about trying to stick to our guns and um, create change um, in a really different way. Well, it is it is a huge impact. I mean, 10,000 people, uh, you know, with now better perceptions mm-hmm. about how to inc- work with disabled people, how to make them productive members of the society. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. And it's great that you're incorporating disabled people, both as facilitators or leaders and as well as uh, as employees into your company. Mm-hmm. So how can interested people reach out to you and learn more? And how can they get your book uh, for their children mm-hmm. or for themselves? Yeah, so, um, I mean, uh, you can reach out to us. You can see more work that we do at Happy Smiles on our website. It's www.happysmilestraining.co.uk. On there, you'll see my fir- my series of books and the first five series in that those in that series that that fir- the first five books there. Uh, my grandma has dementia. My brother has cancer. My uncle has depression. My cousin has Tourette's, and my child has cerebral palsy. Uh, they're the first five books and really excited in in so all of this is on your website uh is that the main place and is there any social media that you want to shout out to or yeah sure so i mean people can get the books um if they go to our, the website they can see them they're available on amazon worldwide but if people get in touch with me via the website or via email um at info at happy uk on our website um then we can get the books. I'll get the books to them cheaper as well than Amazon, so I can get them at a reduced rate, which is always nice. Um, but yeah, otherwise people can just get them on Amazon whenever they want, um, which is which is awesome. Um, in terms of social media, if people want to see what we do at Happy Smiles, uh, it's at Happy Smiles Training CIC on Facebook and Instagram, or at Happy Smiles CIC on Twitter. Uh, but and you can also see the books. And all the stuff I'm working on with the books on at Alex Winstanley Author on Facebook and Instagram or at Alex W Author on Twitter. Thanks, Alex. And it's great to, that you've given all these links. What advice would you have for people looking to start something similar in, you know, in another part of the world or across the UK? We've got listeners now from around 41 countries and many of them may be thinking about similar, uh, you know, working with the disabled, supporting the disabled, creating more awareness? Um, and how could they start? Well, I think if anyone's got a passion and something they want to do, um, it's really easy and almost cheesy of me to say to follow your dreams. But I was really lucky that I was in a position where I could leave my job and I could do, you know, my wife and I, and, and we were only, like I say, we, we weren't married when I left my job. We were shortly after and, um we sort of sat down and said, this is now or never. Um, whereas now I couldn't do that. We, we've got a house and, and two children. Well, one, one, one on the way very, very soon. Um, and so we, we, I couldn't do that now probably. And it depends on people's situation, but you know, it, if you do believe in, in something that you're really passionate about, you know, don't just, just try not to, to let that drop, you know, keep pursuing that, keep meeting people, uh, the more you meet people with, who are like-minded, the more that it'll drive you to, 
you know, support each other um, and support yourself. And um, that's something that's really, that really excites me. So, you know, it sounds cheesy to say follow your dreams, but I really believe that if someone's passionate about that, they should. And I think from a disabled person's point of view, um, as, as a, even as a non-disabled person myself, um, I'm extremely passionate about disability inclusion uh, and therefore anyone with a similar passion you know please do get in touch uh, i'd love to meet you and speak to you um like i said i'm really passionate about supporting the social model of disability and that you know that waking people up across society to realize that disabled people make up one-fifth of the the global population um really yeah. i didn't know that 20 yeah. percent of the global population is disabled people wow mm-hmm. But then, yet yeah, they're the most uh, ignored, essentially um, ignored minority group, if you were going to call it that. Um, the biggest minority group, but yet the most, like I say, the most forgotten about. Um, and that's how a lot of disabled people feel when you speak to them. Um, when we talk about protected characteristics, you know, race, gender, sexuality, disability, age, etc. Disabled people often feel that they're the most forgotten about in those categories. Um, and we talk about diversity and inclusion. But then when we started talking about reasonable adjustments and adaptations for disabled people, disabled people more often than not tell me, well, the world just isn't ready um, for disabled people. We're not, we're not an accessible world. We're not inclusive. I do believe we're very, very, very slowly getting there. Um, and, and being at places like the Disability Power 100 list recently and the, their event with the Shaw Trust, um, being at Scope's first uh, Dis- Disability Equality Awards recently, uh, both of those events just surrounded by incredible, incredible disabled and non-disabled people, uh, all fighting for the same cause. And I think if we can all come together and have that one voice, um, I think that would be extremely powerful. But until disabled people are in positions of power, uh, authority, decision-making, I don't think we'll see that just yet. But I do think we are getting there very slowly. No, that's thank you so much for sharing that. It's eye-opening. You talked a couple of times about the society model of disability. Can you, or sorry, social model of disability. Can you explain what that is, please? Yeah, so the social model of disability is is a disabled came from disabled people's movement um, that said that basically society disables disabled people. Um, so people aren't disabled by, you know, we talked about cerebral palsy by the fact that if someone has cerebral palsy that might affect someone's part of their a part of their body in some way. That doesn't mean that they should be disabled, but they are by society. So I'll use Hayden as an example. Hayden's a wheelchair user. Um, uses a power chair and you know as a really obvious one if there's steps into a building with no access via a ramp or level access he's not going to be able to get into that building and that's not his fault that's society's fault um, for not having those adjustments in place and if those adjustments were in place then Hayden he would still have cerebral palsy but that's fine because we we can't prevent that from happening we can't stop that right now but what we can do is make a building accessible so that he is included in society and more often than not you wouldn't believe on a daily basis just people going about their lives they are excluded in ways that you just wouldn't believe unless you've lived it and that's why I'm so passionate about supporting people who are driving change led by lived experience because there's no one 
who has more expertise than those with lived experience of, of the challenges and experience that they've had. You're absolutely right. Anything that's from lived experience is just so much more powerful because it is the probably the right perspective or the perspective that matters. But um, you have raised a fairly difficult topic about the fact that, you know, we are unintentionally, I'm sure, excluding uh, disabled people. And it's great that yourself and others are kind of raising this as a important factor and hopefully helping businesses, government and society at large to be more uh, more inclusive. Hopefully. And, I think hopefully. I mean, um, yeah, I, you look, look at, I mean, COP27 right now, but look at COP26 last year. There was an Israeli minister who, who couldn't even get into the building. Uh, you may, might have heard of it, and, and that was because that building wasn't accessible. So a disabled person wanted to go and have their voice heard. And not. And this was a leader, you know, a disabled person with influence and a decision maker who just happened to be a wheelchair user who couldn't access that building. Um, and I've heard lots of feedback that the actual event itself in, in many ways weren't accessible, that, again, unless you've have lived experience of accessibility challenges, you're probably not going to know how to make that accessible. And that's why people who are making those decisions and holding those global events that mean, I mean, what's bigger than climate change at the moment, um, they need to hear from disabled people and disabled people's organisations like ours. Because unless you hear from people with lived experience, like you've just rightly said, Deeper, then we don't. you don't know what you don't know. So. Yeah. On to more conversations. I hope, I mean, let's keep talking because I think there'll always be something we could think about. Uh, but an opportunity now for you to talk about anything that I haven't asked you about, anything coming up or anything that you're focused on, or maybe something to call out how difficult winter may be for disabled people because I assume it's harder than the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm really glad you, you brought that up deeper, to be honest. I mean, um not just winter, winter is definitely a, a key time, but look at the current, you know, the current challenges in society, um, the cost of living crisis. There, there's people across Greater Manchester, a survey really recently released um, that, that showed that 20% of disabled people across Greater Manchester can't afford the essential items to live. Now that's not just affording to put your heating on, that's they can't afford essential items to live um that's 20 percent. that's um really scary and yeah i think unless people aren't impacted in that way not that they don't care you, you said before rightly like it's unintentional potentially but you know we need to be thinking about how we support people and i think the way we do that is by again putting ourselves in their shoes and we hear some of the government advice that's like well turn off your turn off your mains turn off your lights well, Hayden, again, using using my mate Hayden as an example, he can't just turn off his lift in his house. He can't turn off his profile in bed with his air mattress. Um, he can't turn off those things. He can't turn off his, his power chair when it's charging. They're essential items for him to live. Yeah. So, again, unless people have, have lived that, they wouldn't understand that. And I think if people can understand that disabled people are facing, you know, that for on average for a disabled person in the UK it costs over 500 pounds more per month to live than a non-disabled person so these wow. sort of challenges um we've got to you know wake up to uh, and think about how we can support people right now um, because people need our support 
right now, not just in the future, but but now. And um, I mean, I can't think of a more important time with everything going on than now. So yeah, the more for me that we can support everybody, but particularly thinking about disabled people in this cost of living crisis. You know, I know it was a uh, it would be go, going a long way to to building that conversation around inclusion. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else, Alex, you want to talk about before I go to my signature questions? No, nothing. I, I think other than please keep a lookout on social, on those social media platforms I mentioned before, uh, having a look at the the books that are coming out under Tiny Tree now that I'm really, really excited about being released. Uh, and yeah, you'll be able to pre-order those through Tiny Tree really, really soon as well um, under the new version. So I'm, so I'm really, really excited about that. Thank you for sharing that. And and yes, I'm sure many people will be very interested, especially if they're young children. And it's now the time for my favorite part of the podcast, which is the signature questions I ask all my guests. And the first one for you is to describe the Mancunian spirit in a word or a phrase. Yeah. I think um, the, the, the word that comes to me is together. Uh, I feel like you look at things that happen um, that happened to, to Mancunians, Greater Mancunians, people across Greater Manchester. Um, there's a shared sense of togetherness, especially when things turn ugly um, in society. You find that the, the, the good people come together. So, yeah, together. Lovely one. Can you share a Mancunian who inspires you and why? And it can be somebody in the past or somebody who's currently around. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's, there's so many, um, to choose from. Um, and it is really, it's really hard to pick um, because my brain automatically goes to, to sport a lot of the time. Um, especially, especially being, being from Manchester. Um, but yeah, I think if I could, if I could think about, um, someone, someone, I mean, I tend to, if, again, if I was thinking about a sporting analogy, um, I grew up with, the class of 92 um so um and they uh that came through at man united and um i grew up watching those winning everything that team and again going back to togetherness i feel like there was just this group of players that came through that you just never really seen the likes of that happening again and i think that's just really inspirational for a lot of young people um to see people working together um and achieving so much success together uh, and hopefully it'll happen again one day. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what's the most important life lesson you've learned so far? A life lesson? Um, phew, it's, a, it's a really tough one. I know someone said to me last year, who's the most important person in your life? And I said, um, my daughter. And they said, well, actually, it, it's not your daughter, it's yourself. They said, because if you don't look after yourself, you can't look after your daughter. And that's something I'm always working on. Um, I'm always trying to help other people, but I think as social entrepreneurs, we, we're always trying to help everybody. And I think we need to learn to look after ourselves a little bit more. And that's really easy to say and really hard to do. And I am not the best person at doing that at all, but I'm hopefully learning and, and trying my best to get there. It's a really great tip. It's like they say in a plane, right? Put on the oxygen mask right. on yourself before you take care of others. That's it. And it's the same thing. Nurture yourself, self-care mm -hmm. 
because otherwise you don't have the strength to take care of others or, or your company or your family. So yeah. it is a hard one, uh, but it's a great one. Thank you for sharing that. If you could have one superpower, what would that be? I've been asked this question before, um, and I always come up with different answers from really depend on the day, um, to be honest. Absolutely, why not? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's another really tough question. I think, oh, if I could have one superpower, um, I think it would be to, to turn back time. Um, I'd love to be able to know what I know and try and reverse time um, and try and just help people and... Um, you know, keep trying to change the world, but for, for for the better. And the more I can go back and help people to, you know, to do that, that'd be pretty cool. It's a good one. Um, everyone has such diverse, you know, divergent <laughs> uh, responses to this. And I really love hearing them. That's why it's my favorite bit. Yeah. My last question for you, is there a funny story you'd like to share with listeners? Anything funny at work or in Manchester mm. that may have happened? And it's purely optional. <laughs> oh, a funny story. I'm sure there would be. I'm sure there would be. Um, I mean, yeah. I know that um, it's not as funny as a story, but Hayden loves this one, so I'm going to tell it. Um, when we first set up Happy Smiles, we did a duathlon to fundraise. Um, and so we had... Uh, an adapted bike so it was like a run a bike and a run it's like a triathlon without a swim and i sat hayden on the front of the bike um so that we could do it together the bike part we'd done the run we'd done the bike and just towards the end hayden was all strapped in on this big adapted bike uh but one of the stop straps broke and basically hayden fell out and he fell out onto Ouch. the floor and we was like oh no like it was really scary so it's pretty scary moment got him up and got him sorted uh, ambulance came in it was he was he was fine um but he just laughed and I remember um, we had to get him back to his parents and we got back and one of his parents, I was thinking, what are they going to say? Like, they're never going to support us. They're going to hate this. And the first thing they said was, um, they said, Alex, if Hayden didn't do this sort of stuff, he'd never have any experiences. So that always sticks with me, but that was in a in, in a place in in uh, Altrincham. It was, it was in Dunham Massey, so not... Not oh, Nana Masi. So. Yeah, you're yeah. not far from me. I'm in I'm in Withenshaw. Right, there you uh, go. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it was in, in Dunham Massey, lovely, lovely area. And, yeah, that experience always sticks with me. So not, as, not a funny story, but something that always sticks with me. And I guess it's about, you know, both of you taking it very positively, yep. even if you panicked a bit in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that is, that's really great. Alex, thank you so much for talking to me and my listeners. It was really fascinating and I'm really impressed by everything you're doing. I keep keep shining. Oh, thank you, Deepa. I appreciate it. And thanks, uh, thanks for your support. Alex, I really enjoyed learning about disability awareness today. Dear listener, thank you so much for listening to the 11th episode of the Meet the Man Union podcast, season four. I hope this episode and the podcast itself encourages you to follow your passions inspired by the amazing Mancunian guests who feature here. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode or log on to www.meetthemancunian.co.uk to listen to all the episodes and learn more about my podcasting story. The website also makes it really easy to look for specific categories 
For example, you can look at only episodes about local history or episodes only about homelessness or sustainability or any of the many themes that are my guests and I have covered in the previous season. Next week on Tuesday 7th February 2023 in the season finale the Meet the Mancunian podcast talks to Susan Routon about granting wishes for terminally ill adults. Season 4 ends on Tuesday 7th February 2023. I'll be taking a 2 month break for some travel and finishing up at my current day job. Season 5 of the Meet the Mancunian podcast returns on Tuesday, 11th April 2023 with a new series of inspiring guests. I've already started recording the interviews and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Please do leave a review or a voice message on my website www.meetthemancunian.co.uk. It takes only a few minutes and I look forward to hearing from you. You can also follow the Meet the Mancunian podcast on Twitter. as at mancunian pod or on facebook and instagram as meet the mancunian do give us a like or a share there or leave a comment thank you so much